Welcome to Advancing the Agenda. I'm Michael Abramson. Today's topics are the first Republican debate and President Trump's interview on Tucker Carlson's show. I will not be discussing specific candidates. Rather, I want to focus on the events as a whole and how they impact the possibility of electing a Republican in the 2024 election. My overall thought on the debate is that I was disappointed. As I mentioned in my last podcast, as I mentioned in the last podcast, one of the goals of the Republican debate is to convince people to vote for the Republican presidential candidate in the 2024 election. To do so, one has to convince voters of one of two things. The first is that President Biden has been a poor president, that his policies have hurt the American people, and that he has made America a weaker nation. The second is that the Republican nominee would make a better president than Joe Biden, that the Republican nominee would enact policies which would benefit the lives of Americans and make America a stronger nation. Clay Travis, in his new book, American Playbook, puts forward a great strategy for the Republican Party. Clay Travis points out that the Republican Party, in one sentence, should be able to explain why a Republican should be elected president in 2024 rather than a Democrat. I do not feel that any of the candidates at the debate were able to articulate their positions in this one sentence. For the next debate, the candidates need to clarify their positions and vision, and it would be helpful if they articulated their one sentence to the American people. Moving to the topic of attacking the Biden administration, I was amazed that none of the candidates or the moderators mentioned the investigations into the Biden family. We heard no mention of the special counsel investigation into Joe Biden, the special counsel investigation into Hunter Biden, the collapse of Hunter Biden's plea deal with the Department of Justice, the multiple House investigations into the Biden family, the proven veracity of the Hunter Biden laptop, the influence on Twitter and other social media companies prior to the 2020 election to not carry stories about Hunter Biden's laptop, and that prior to the 2020 election, the 51 former intelligence officials who stated that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation did so first without intelligence and second with a motive to hurt the re-election campaign of President Trump. We also know that current Secretary of State Anthony Blinken was involved in organizing these individuals in this effort. It is baffling to me that none of the Republican candidates brought up these points even though they reflect so negatively on President Biden and the Democrat Party as a whole. Let's move to the interaction of the candidates during the debate. I did not like how candidates kept talking over one another and interrupting each other's answers. These disruptions made it difficult to understand the candidates. And as a general matter, they interrupted with the flow of the debate. The interruptions had a more important effect because they made the candidates come across as rude impatient, and unwilling to listen to others. In the last podcast, I explained the importance for candidates to come across as nice and likable. In this debate, the candidate interruptions had the opposite effect. Even worse, though, the candidate behavior does not only reflect badly upon them, but it also gives a bad impression of the entire Republican Party. The Republican Party wants to come across as a political organization whose leaders are calm, respectful of others, and well-measured in their responses. To a large extent, the viewers at the debate were left with the opposite impression. An area which had an effect similar to candidate interruptions was the cheering from the crowd. 
The crowd cheered certain candidates, booed others, and made itself heard throughout the debate. And it was obvious that certain campaigns paid individuals to cheer for their candidate and boo others. The cheering had several negative effects. First, the cheering likely hindered viewers from hearing what the candidates had to say. Second, the cheering was not dignified and had no place at the debate. The debate was not a pep rally, nor was it an election for student council president. Third, and most importantly, the cheering could have had a negative effect on those on the fence about voting for a Republican candidate. When the audience cheered, listeners would assume that Republicans favor those positions. Those cheering only represented themselves, though, and not the entire Republican Party. The cheering, therefore, may have given the wrong impression of the Republican Party to those watching the debate. The Republican Party needs to ensure that viewers do not get the wrong impression of what the party stands for. For that reason, the party should ban cheering. And if it's too difficult to enforce that ban, the party should merely conduct the debate without an audience present. My last topic on the debate is the moderators. The moderators had a difficult time controlling the cheering crowd and the candidates who kept interrupting. Regarding the crowd, I'm surprised that the moderators didn't instruct everyone at the beginning to not make noise. That's normally done at debates. As I previously mentioned, I think that the easy solution to this problem is to not have an audience at the debates. Regarding the candidates, it's very difficult to control them once they start talking. A possible solution, of course, would be to cut off their microphones. I think it would also be helpful to have clocks on the bottom of viewers' television screens, which are similar to the ones shown during broadcasts of sports programs. These clocks would show the amount of time in a candidate's answer, the amount of time which the candidate has spoken over the time limit, and the total amount of time in which the candidate has gone over time limit during the debate. If a candidate is consistently speaking over the time limit, it is likely that viewers will hold this fact against the candidate. The candidates, therefore, would have a reason not to go over the time limits. I think it's also important, though, to consider one of the reasons why the candidates felt the need to interrupt each other. It seems like the interruptions occurred when candidates had points to make on certain questions, but were afraid that the moderators would not ask them a question on that topic. A solution, then, would be to ask the same question of all the candidates. It would eliminate the need for candidates to interrupt one another, and it would be a great way for viewers to compare the candidates on each issue. Another issue concerning the moderators was their choice of topics. One can question the topics that were chosen and when they were brought up in the debate. For instance, illegal immigration was not brought up until the second hour, even though illegal immigration is an important topic for Republicans. It was also strange that climate change was the second topic discussed, even though climate change does not rank high among Republicans' voting issues. I also wanted the moderators to delve deeper into Vivek Ramaswamy's foreign policy positions, specifically his views on Taiwan, Israel, and the Russia-Ukraine war. Before the debate, it was clear that many candidates had issues with Mr. Ramaswamy's positions. It would have been beneficial if the moderators had asked questions to flesh out these differences of opinions. If they had done so, the candidates could have had a true debate on these issues and voters would have been more informed. Lastly, on the topic of moderators, I want to reiterate a point that I made in the previous podcast. One of the reasons to eliminate the moderators 
is so that candidates get to discuss the topics which they feel are important for the nation. Republicans should not be beholden to moderators and what they find important. The debate, according to Nielsen, had viewership of 12.8 million people. A good comparison is the first Democratic primary debate in 2020, which aired on NBC News, MSNBC, and Telemundo, and drew 15.3 million people. The first Republican debate in 2015, which of course was the first time that then-candidate Donald Trump debated, had a viewership of 24 million people. Premiering at 9 o'clock, or during the first hour of the debate, was the Tucker Carlson interview of President Trump on Twitter, also known as X. I thought that the interview was great. Tucker asked interesting and informative questions, and President Trump answered them candidly. The format, therefore, was a great way to learn about President Trump. For those who have not seen President Trump do a long-format interview, which are typically shown on Fox News and Newsmax, the interview likely provided them with a perspective of Donald Trump that they had never seen before. In these types of interviews, where President Trump is not dealing with a hostile reporter, he is able to go into the reasoning for his decisions and fully explain his accomplishments. I think it would be beneficial for all of the candidates to do similar long-format interviews which are available on the internet. It would be helpful for voters if the candidates were all asked the same questions and in the same order so that voters could compare them equally. These are the types of interviews that I conducted in the 2022 election for several races in Georgia, including the primaries for governor, Senate, and the 6th Congressional District. I invite all candidates running for president to come on my podcast. If they don't, they should at least have similar types of interviews which appear on their own websites. The second Republican debate will be on September 25th. It is hosted by Fox Business, Rumble, and Univision. The requirements needed for making this debate are more stringent. Candidates will have to receive donations from 50,000 unique donors. They will also need to attain 3% in two national polls, or 3% in one national poll, along with 3% in two polls conducted in states with contests early in the primary process, such as Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada. Hopefully, the candidates and the RNC will carefully evaluate the first debate and make the changes necessary to give the Republicans a better chance of winning the presidency in 2024. I look forward to speaking with you next time on Advancing the Agenda. Mm-hmm.